the Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Always want to say thank you to our listeners and sponsors for all of your support. Make sure to send questions and comments to info at theabstractathlete.com. Make sure to give a listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and follow us on all of our social media outlets for updates and news. Really, really excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with two-time Emmy Award-winning producer, author, entrepreneur, and conservationist, George Schellinger. Make sure to follow George on Instagram at Space Shark Earth and check out his website, statusproductions.com. Let's welcome George Schellinger. Hey there. Hey, hey. How How's it going? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Let me just uh, adjust one more thing here. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for the delay. Oh, no worries. I can tell you are a, a busy person. A hundred percent. No, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a lot of crazy stuff for sure. Well, we were, I'm, I'm recording by the way. I always jump right okay. in, but I just like, you know, we were introduced from a mutual friend, Alex Lytle and just doing research on you is just absolutely fascinating like i you know i'm gonna give like a couple of the highlights and then we can dive in wherever you want to go but like you're a two-time emmy award-winning producer like you you work in the sea you work in the in with nasa like you're to me like kind of i i mean like i'm totally uh enthralled by what you're doing like it's it's I, you know like to work in space and the ocean i'm just jealous i guess is the best way to say it um but like you got you know you have a journalism degree you've actually taught um and so there's so many things for me that i think would be cool to talk about in terms of like creativity because that's we kind of like talk in a creative space slash physical space and to me like the stuff that you do I just can imagine that people just look at you or like me, like are just jealous. Cause I, again, like the documentaries that you've done with in the ocean, <clears throat> and I don't know what you've done other than consulting with NASA, but just that idea, like it's <laughs> to me, it feels like you're like living out childhood dreams. Am I correct in that? <laughs> well, my career is either a cautionary tale, uh, but, but it's been an adventure. You know, I've always, I've always seen the next thing and, and I've gone for it. And, and I think that's, that's the thing about life. If you see an opportunity, you go for it. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was told a long time ago um, by a CEO of Pulitzer, who, who used to own a lot of uh, television stations across the country. Um, and, and he goes, he goes, look, just don't be in debt to anybody and you can do whatever you want to do. And that's kind of the way I live my life as a creative. And it's given me the opportunity to do things like dive with sharks, uh, work on some really cool space projects that really kind of set up where we are now in commercial aerospace. And, uh, you know, and there's there's always the next opportunity. And the, and the thing about creativity uh, that, that I love is, especially with the technology and the landscape we have today, is you can always do more. The, the technology gives you the ability to do so much more. And that's what I love, whether it's a new product from Apple, a new virtual reality camera, or anything like that. I mean, it's just always a new opportunity. I, so how, like, I'm curious, because your your degree was in journalism, correct? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I, so, so I got my uh, my undergraduate at Virginia Commonwealth University, and I got, right there, and I got my uh, my master's from the University of Missouri Columbia, and but I started out in pre medicine. I, I wanted to be a doctor, and uh, but I, I had some health issues early on in my life that I think really put me on a, on a track to to take good care of myself, um, and and I I was ended up in the hospital for a long time. And I said, oh, my God, I, I never want to have 
anything to do with medicine again. I, I never want to see a doctor again. And I sure don't want to be, you know, going to medicine. So my grandmother said, well, why don't, why don't you go into television? You've always liked television. Because when I was seven, my dad brought home a training reel to reel video recorder and a black and white camera with giant cables that you'd hook up. And I, I was hooked. And, and so always, always television, always that type of creativity. And so, like, you went through journalism school, and then you came out, and did you go immediately into teaching, or did you go this Oh, no, I, I, was, I, was a, uh, I was a journalist for many years. I, okay. I worked uh, 13 years in, in television. I, I went the affiliate route. I, I worked yeah. in, from, you know, Richmond, Charlotte, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and then from so from from there, I went to network. I was when when MSNBC, a lot of people forget that MSNBC was started by Microsoft yep. and NBC to put content online. So I ended up at, at the Microsoft campus in Seattle working for MSNBC as a national affiliate producer. So it was my job to bring the NBC affiliates from coast to coast kicking and screaming into the online world and, you know, trying to explain that, you know, it's kind of like when they said television was going to take the, the radio audience or video killed the radio star. Um, that's what these affiliates were worried. It's like, wait, you're going to take our audience away from us. Now, now granted that's happened now, you know, so many years later, but uh, there, there was certainly a panic in the, in the late nineties. So, so, so then I was at MSNBC. I had a friend at AOL, you know, back when AOL was the thing, yeah. <laughs> 21 million members. Uh, and, I, and I ended up at AOL and then AOL Time Warner for eight years. And, and that, so, so I was on the very first version of the internet, not, not even, not even this version, whatever, <laughs> whatever we're so at. Yeah. So, um, you know, so it's been a long road, but I've, I've seen all these iterations of so many things in my career. And, and it just, it, I think it keeps me young in that I, uh, I'm always thinking about what's next. Yeah. No, I, again, I just think just reading about like all the things that you've done is it's truly like, it's kind of mind boggling to me. And, and again, like I, I'm jealous because I get, I don't watch a lot of television, but the ones that I do, I love stuff that deals with space, whether it's literally like UFOs or whatever, but I, or, or whatever. Like, so you're, you're like affiliated in that world of like, you know, documentaries and stuff in that space, but also just the ocean stuff. Like you said, swimming with sharks, like literally I, like one of the things I watch religiously is like shark week or something. And it's because I just, I, I become enamored by these things that are they just they seem otherworldly to me and so like for you like how so you went from this you know the, like the network world that you know is probably sterile in some ways but i mean sure there's obviously like love and joy and stuff like that but it feels like when you moved into this space like this was a passion project or projects, I should say there's multiple. And so how did you get to, to there? Like, cause again, like, you know, you're, you're Missouri is landlocked. You're, you're, I mean, Richmond's not, I mean, it's landlocked, but it's close to the ocean. But how did you, like, did you develop a love for like the ocean and to develop a love for space? Or was that again, like a kind of a childhood Child, childhood things, you know, is, 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 I was, I was totally hooked on the Apollo program. A lot of my, my life, if you look behind me a lot, I have a lot yeah. of Apollo artifacts behind me um, that cause, cause I, I wanted to collect the signature of everybody who walked on the moon. And then I was like, okay, well, I want things that were flown to the moon. So I, so I started, you know, it just, I'm sure I got lunar dust on my wall, uh, patches that were flown on some of the missions to the moon. And, and so, yeah, but it was so, so it was a childhood passion of sharks. Number one, always loved sharks as a kid, because uh, what are these creatures that can eat you? And uh, that, but that didn't scare me. I just wanted to meet them. Um, and then, and then it's very interesting because, you know, there, there's the analog of, of being underwater and being in space. So when the, I, I actually returned to Florida in, in 2010 
because uh, the space shuttle was retiring and I did not want to miss it. I didn't want, didn't want to miss the final um, flights of the space shuttle. So that's why, that's why I came back to Florida. And then when the shuttle retired, I was always, I was already doing some ocean work uh, in, in conservation and trying to tell people that sharks weren't the deadly creatures portrayed on television, but they were important parts of the ocean that needed to be protected to save our seas. So it was kind of, you know, space exploration is important because it's first and foremost teaches us about ourselves and how far we can push ourselves. And then it is also a mission to planet Earth because the perspective we get from space looking back to the Earth can, can help us in, in the challenges we face. And if, if, we're, if we're good enough to go to, the, go to space and go to the moon, then we am protect sharks. We knew those two things, protect a creature we don't really understand or know or, or maybe not love. And we can push ourselves out there. We, we can save ourselves as a species. So that's why later in my career, I was just like, I'm, I'm only going to work on things I'm passionate about. And, 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 and I think everybody has that capacity if you just work really hard at what you do. You know, that's the key is to just always be working, always be thinking, you know, my life is my career. My career is my life. No, and I think, uh, again, just from, from reading up on you, you, you can see that. And, I, I, again, <laughs> it, it, it's just it's fascinating to me because these, these documentaries of, of, you know, like Swimming with Sharks and, and Shark Week and, and different space, you know, uh, documentaries and different – it's – like, do you have, I mean, like you mentioned that idea that there's a similarity to, right. to the idea. Do you, do, well, do you lean one way or the other? Or do you just like, you really truly feel that there is like this relationship? Yeah. You, you know, both, both uh, commercial space exploration, which is getting ready to happen right now, you know, with, with uh, Sir Richard Branson, Virgin Galactic with um, uh, Jeff Bezos and, and uh, Blue Origin out of, out of Texas, you know, people will go to space. People like you and me will have the opportunity to go to space. And going to space and diving with sharks is the same thing. It's the same waiver. It's risk mitigation. When you go into the water to work with sharks, you know, we, we do it. Now, now, I'm an old shark diver, right? So I've been doing it for like 15 years, and I'm still around. I still have all body parts, and I have no scars. Um, but it's because we are very thorough in risk mitigation. We know the creatures we're in the water with. One of the best stories when people ask me about diving with sharks, the story I really like to tell is we were, we were in Bimini and we were shooting a, a documentary called Shark Nights. And the, that's exactly what it sounds like. We were getting into the water at night with different species of sharks because we wanted to prove that we could do it and we could do it safely. We were in just off the coast of Bimini at a place called End of the Map. We were at about 70 feet down at night with about 40 bull sharks. Now, we, we're not wearing chain mail. We just have our big cameras. And so we went down there and, you know, we're getting footage. And bull sharks, of all the species of sharks, bull sharks are the one that appear to have attention deficit disorder. They will come at you once. They'll come at you twice. Other sharks, like a tiger shark, may bump you once, but then they'll just swim away. Bull sharks would just keep coming to the camera. Great, great footage, but we we were uh, we were underwater as at night, about seventy feet, and and after about twenty minutes, I looked at the other producer that was down there with me, and I kind of I kind of shrugged because we had gotten so much great footage in such a short time that we're like, okay, we, we've got this. Let's go back to the boat, you know, and uh, and we did. And but but it's got why push it? You know, we had great stuff. We no no sense in, in doing, um, you know, putting ourselves at risk. It was a good thing we did because the next day we did a daytime dive, bull sharks, a tiger shark. The mooring broke. So the mooring broke and, and the boat's going off and it's taken all the bait with us. The bull shark stayed on the bottom. But we were we were surrounded by this one tiger shark that kept circling and circling. And usually when you're working with sharks, you know, they're mainly interested in the bait, not in us. But now the bait was gone because it gone off with the boat. And here was this tiger shark kind of swimming around with us. So but but if, if the morning and we got on the boat and everything was fine, 
But if the morning had broke at night, it would it would have really been a different situation. So that's that's one thing. The other uh, the other really interesting thing that happened to me is we were working with a, a species of shark called the oceanic white tip shark. Mm-hmm. Beautiful shark, pelagic. So it spends its life in the open ocean. So if it has a diver in the water, it's always interested. What is this thing, this monkey breathing air? What are these things in the water with me? And, and we were surrounded by like 11 oceanic white tips. And, and in, in that kind of diving, you, you're diving in about 15 feet of water. So you have bait on a, on a float that's hanging down and, and you keep the bait to your back so you can get the, the sharks coming in. But underneath you, it's about 2,000 feet. So you're just at that upper level. And they're coming. So it's a three dimensional dive, right? They're coming from the sides, they're coming from the bottom. And, and a photographer has a shot of me sinking down because I had this one oceanic coming, just, you know, fascinated by my, I had a high intensity lights on my camera, came to me and was surrounding me as, as I was sinking down. And there were, there were five sharks coming up from the depth and i had the 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 other diver grab my uh bcd and pull me out of that situation but um that was one of the most uh, let's say interesting experiences (laughs) yeah it's beyond interesting by the way (laughs) Um, like you did you just spoke about you know the the space exploration and like the the uh private or, or, you know, the, the ability that we will be able to, is that something that I assume because of your interest in space, is that something you're already like? Yes, I, I am. I am on, I am on certain lists to go. Um, I, I have, have talked to uh, both Virgin Galactic and, and Blue Origin. And, and so for me, you know, it's a price point, right? Um, and, and if you look at, if you look at like staging an expedition to Everest or, or, you know, a big, a big summit, it's going to, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get there and have, have the capability to do it and everything. Um, and so space is the same thing when, when the price point for space, which means, you know, it's supply and demand. So the number of seats going into space, when those prices drop, more people will go and, you know, it's, it's going to be nice to be one of the first thousand people in space. I don't know if I'll get there because I don't think the price, I think, I think there's going to be the demand for, for that amount of seats. Right now, I, I would throw out the number of about 20 million for a 15 minute, you know, seat to space. It's just, it's just too much, you know, for any, any normal human being to do. So, um, but, but I do hope that people that go, you know, use that opportunity to get what they call the overview effect, to see the earth from space come back and say, hey, we're, you know, it's like William Shatner did on his flight on Blue Origin. He came back and, and gave the most eloquent, uh, you know, five minutes. And at first, Jeff Bezos is interesting because you watch the capsule come down, William Shatner gets out and, uh, and, and Jeff Bezos comes up to him. And, and I don't even think Jeff Bezos realized the effect it had on, on William Shatner when he came back. And that's a great documentary on Amazon Prime. It's called Shatner in Space. And, you know, but, but think about that. In our lifetime, we have now had an actor who played a captain of the spaceship, <laughs> has now gone into space. So so there's hope for us. And, you can't even and write other, that. <laughs> yeah, it, the other thing about space, and, and I've, I've done a lot of work up at the Kennedy Space Center, People do not realize that space happens slowly. In science fiction, you know, you go warp speed, hyperdrive, whatever. But in real life, space goes very slowly. I was working on a project for the uh, Air Force and at, at Cape Canaveral, and we were waiting for a satellite for a payload to be put on top of a rocket. And, you know, it's like, small moves, measure, small moves, measure to make sure everything is 100% because you, you, you have millions of dollars are at stake with every launch. And I ended up s- spending the night sleeping outside on the launch pad, wow. waiting for this, for this satellite to be put on top of the rocket. So that's the thing. Space happens slowly. When, when I was doing my work uh, for XPRIZE, which is, is, is a uh, nonprofit group that gives multi-million dollar prizes away from scientific, for scientific breakthroughs. Um, 
That was we, the one with the lander prototype. Right. Yeah. Okay. That it's we had the Northrop Grumman Lunar Lander Challenge, which was a, a two million dollar prize for a in in Las Cruces, New Mexico, um, really in the middle of the desert there. For it's an analog from going to lunar orbit to the surface of the moon and back. That that's what we wanted people these these uh, the participants the the contestants to build, and we had we had uh, John Carmack of armadillo aerospace he made his his money by building the video game doom uh nvidia he's connected with nvidia with mass and aerospace and what but all but all they were trying to do is take take this rocket launch it vertical transition then land on the the lunar pad but the it was at that time it was so difficult it's like balancing a refrigerator on a pencil you know, that's that's the technology. So when you when you see Elon Musk and SpaceX land these these rockets on the barges at sea, that's that's the heritage. That's that's what, what it's come from. But it's not they're not just suddenly doing it. It's not an overnight thing. It's it's taken years and years. And that's what people that's what people say all the time. Well, why hadn't this happened? Why is it so slow? It's slow because it's it's a really hard thing to do. Now I, I I just remember the first time I heard about Elon's the 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 rocket coming back to the pad, and it was it was again like it was science fiction to me. And that's the I, you said that the Shatner thing it it is it's like you can't even write a story where a guy who played a a space traveler is now has gone to space. I mean it's just it's it it it's hysterical. But I also think that. I mean, I wasn't a Star Trek head or anything, but I, you know, I, I know, and I watched it and stuff like all those things that were taking place in the 70s from Gene Roddenberry, right? Yeah, Gene Roddenberry. Um, like they're coming true now. Like it's so, it's so weird to see science fiction becoming reality. And I, for, for somebody like William Shatner, who actually played that role, that has to even be more, uh, insane to him to like see these things that he was doing and then being a part of it like literally being a part of it it's 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 just wild to like see and i like going back to what you were saying earlier about the 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 similarities between space travel and 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 you know exploration of the seas isn't it and maybe i'm getting this wrong or maybe but like the exploration of the oceans is only like three percent or something crazy right, right? That is true. Why? Why is? I mean, do you, I don't know that you know this necessarily, but like being that you're involved in like doing documentaries and stuff, like why have we not explored more the planet we live on? Right. Well, the the hard thing about it, the most difficult thing, and you know, in 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 all the camera equipment I've I've brought underwater, and you know, I've I've gone through probably ten or twelve housings over over the years, and all the different cameras I've used to document underwater. It is harder going underwater than than you know, other than radiation and the things you have to deal with in space. Going to, into a vacuum is a lot easier than going into the pressure of of you know the ocean. And when James Cameron, you know, made his his trip back to the Mariana Trench a, a, a few years ago, um, you know, that was that was very that was very good because nobody had been there since 1960. Because going to the bottom of the ocean is harder. It's it's just that water is is such a barrier. Um, and, and you know, of course, the the hard thing about space is getting out of the gravity well. Because we we have to get we have to expend so much energy to get out of where we are here to, to get to the vacuum of space where basically you know the the International Space Station today the the Dragon capsule from SpaceX when you go in space they're just in microgravity you know they're just basically it's a free free fall around the surface of, of the Earth um, but that's the, the speeds and what it takes. It's just very difficult, but but going to the bottom of the ocean is difficult as well. And and you know it's interest. And one thing that people don't understand about the ocean is, you you go to the beach and you see the surface of the ocean, but really to understand what's going on, you have to get under the surface to, to see what's there. Um, and and you know Guy Harvey, I I think has the artist ha, has done a great job. While and another artist, they they've just done outstanding jobs of really painting the pictures 
of what it's like to to be underwater and, and see you've been it. you've been working with guy for a couple of years at least right yeah you know, for, for about a decade yeah. and now i'm i'm on the uh the board of directors of the guy harvey ocean foundation and and, and the work they still do and and mainly tracking pelagic, you know, animals in, in the Atlantic and the Pacific, well, which again, to track a shark, everything comes full circle because you need a satellite in orbit that where we're, when we put a, a tag on a dorsal fin of a shark, it's pinging to a satellite to give us that big overview of, of where the shark is going to the Atlantic Ocean. And, and it's interesting because, you know, tracking sharks, can help us in so many ways. We, we know how, how, how much are we explo exploiting the ocean? What is the impact of climate change on our seas? How does it impact the migratory path of these animals, which, which again, impact us? Yeah. I actually, it's funny. I just had a, um, an artist and, and a gallery dealer that I actually used to work with. And, and he's a friend of mine. Um, and they're up in Montana and this, this artist, his name is Ben Miller. He, he does paintings with fly fishing and he'll go to, you know, so he'll make, he'll tie his own flies that are paint brushes and he'll like, he, he puts up like a, a plexiglass surface and he does this and they're based on all these rivers that he goes to all over the place, primarily in Montana, but like in different areas. But he also is very concerned about conservation like he they they deal with different you know conservation um company you know whatever i'm saying companies but uh institutions and stuff and you know like and he's you know talking about being out there on a river and seeing like these blooms like that you know it's like there's fluorescent green and it's like this is not supposed to be here but he like he he does it in his paintings, which are, again, it's like, it's, this, it's this weird dynamic of something that's absolutely beautiful, but then there's this important backstory to what's happening. And I think that's what I think you're doing as well through your documentaries. It's like, like being able to like swim with sharks and, you know, like as a viewer, like just that uncontained beauty of that. But then to understand, like like you were talking about, the migration patterns and understanding why they're doing certain things. You know, it's, I, I remember, again, watching some documentary probably a couple of years ago. Why are white sharks going further up the coast, the East Coast? Like, you know, why are they hanging out? Uh, where what is where do they film Jaws? They're, but they're uh, there, Martha's Vineyard. Right, they're they're there longer, and it's because the oceans are warming. Like it's it's more comfortable for them to be there longer, and it's and and so it's like these things that are like super fascinating externally, but then when you dig in and like like there's a there's that deeper meaning to these things that you're doing that to what Ben's doing that I think it's just important for them to be out there though those stories like constant you know like obviously like just the the rivers and and how things are changing out west you know like the the fires and 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 all this stuff but it's to a bigger extent it's like the oceans like we need to pay attention to this stuff and and i think like for you that has to be rewarding to be able to do both and talk about obviously the beauty of this animal and the misunderstanding of, you know, jaws obviously changed the way that everybody looked at sharks and, and, you know, every year shark week is like, Oh, we'll attack into the sharks. And it's like, there's two shark attacks in a year in the planet, but like, we want to make it like it's, you know, happening every day. And, and just, but the, the story that you're telling, it just has to be rewarding for you. I, you know, I think the job of a creative today, I, I would say, depending on which side of, of creativity you're on, is, is telling is telling the most authentic and, and truthful story you can about the subject you're working with. Um, you know, when it comes to sharks, I, I want to get across the message that you can get into the water with these creatures, but you have to have, you know, risk mitigation as, as your, your mindset. You have to think, how am I going to be able to do this safely? And that, so safety getting the images, you know, the, the, those are the two most things and coming back to tell the story. We don't do any uh, solid PR for sharks if anything goes wrong underwater. So, so as a creative uh, and, and to really help tell the story of conservation from a standpoint of 
just delivering the black and white facts of here's where we are and then and then putting that before you know governments and officials and saying we're going to give you the best information we can now it's up to you to make the best decision for the long term same with with space exploration you know i, I know that some people say oh why are why are these people going into space and and you know wasting money but to me the more people that go into space and look back at the earth and and see that we are on an island here we're all in this together the borders we put everywhere are artificial um and 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 as climate change happens going to make people cross borders you know there's there's going to be a lot of migration for humans not just animals but humans too it all interconnects for me and and that's why i i've always seen it as to my my life and where i'm at right now is really as a journalist and, and a documentarian is, is telling the story, which is two sides of the same coin. And I'm just, I, again, I'm just blessed to be at a time where the technology is good and always getting better. You know, whether whether it's it's like podcasts that you're producing, um, just getting information out there. Never before has information been more available and the the need to that, that's the other thing i'm grateful that i that i you know i got a degree from vcu in mass communications grateful that i have a master's in journalism because i think being able to research and and try to find the facts out for myself i, I think that's something that every kid should know how to do first and foremost know how to research find something you love and and research and be able to do that work because if you can research something then, then I think you don't have to live in fear because I think a lot of people live in fear in today's world because they're, they're being shouted out by so many headlines and they really don't know what to believe. But, but you, can, you can find a calmness if you just have the ability to do the research. Well, and I, you just touched on something that I, I, I think is so important. It's like, find something you love. I, you know, and the thing is, is, and I say this to my students all the time, like, all of us are creative, all of us. But that doesn't mean you have to paint. That doesn't mean you have to write. That find what you love and do it. It doesn't mean you have to be a professional at your creativity, but doing something creative every day is just good for our health. It's good for our mental health. And so like, it, it is like, it's that thing that I keep telling my students. It's just, and and it's rewarding, like walking into a class when somebody's playing guitar, there's somebody in the corner painting. So there's people doing different things. But it's just like, you know, like I was I said at the beginning, like you can actually tell that you really love what you're doing. And you wake up probably every day just excited that you get to do that, you know, and, and that's what I, I think we all as human beings need to find that thing that we like to do and whether it's doodling for 20 minutes a day or whatever, but, and just doing it and, you know, and just taking that time to be mindful. And, and, and like you said, that we're on an Island and it's like, we are in this together and, and these stupid ass borders that like, it's just, I, the more I, you know, the older I get, I just like, there's so many silly things. I can't even believe we still have wars. I, it just makes it literal to no sense to me, <laughs> you know. Yeah, especially, I, especially when you're 100 miles up looking back. Yep. You know, I mean, that's all. That's all there is. And and I think again, that overview effect is is so important. And you know, when 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 you're back on the ground, and and, and you know, I I look at it as, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a producer. I, I've been a producer my entire life, and and I look at my job is is to create content and create ideas and, and, and you know, material that just hadn't been there before. And, and it's the best way we have to leave a legacy because what, what proof do we have that we were even here? It's, it's what we leave behind and how that helps other people. You know, you as a teacher, I mean, giving back to the next generation, teaching them the lessons that we've learned so hopefully that you can kind of guide them in the right direction where they can they can leapfrog over you know the roads that we've gone down and maybe they can get on the other side of that and say oh now i see the bigger picture now i can use today's technology to to solve things like climate change 
to uh, to help the ocean, help species that are you know endangered on our planet. I, I think that is really the the you know it's just that legacy to create and help people navigate this crazy world. Just a short break. Make sure to follow George on Instagram at Space Shark Earth and check out his website, statusproductions.com. Also a reminder to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Now back to George. Have you have you ever thought about um, a documentary on climate change, like specifically? Obviously, again, like kind of peripherally, you're doing it. And I only ask this because it's you know every year it seems like the the weather just gets crazier and crazier. I was actually this over the Christmas holiday. I was in the middle of Kansas in what I will call a land hurricane, and I was in a McDonald's parking lot, which I don't eat fast food. So it was ironic. And it was like hundred mile an hour winds sustained. And I'm just sitting there and they'd shut down 70. And that was the second of, I think a three kind of a pattern of three, like the one, the first one was the tornadoes that happened in Kentucky. Then the one that I was in, that was in Kansas that became, I think like a crazy ice storm, snowstorm, uh, uh, like up through Minnesota into, um, uh, in the Canada. And then the third one was the, the winds that happened that caused those fires in, uh, Colorado. And, but that's what I was, I was sitting there in the McDonald's parking lot and, you know, again, sustained hundred mile winds and I start smelling smoke and I literally, I started laughing in kind of a, Oh my God, kind of, but I, I was smelling smoke and I was like, well, this would be a horrible way to die. <laughs> but you know, like I didn't know what else to do, but laugh. But it, it it does seem that every year, like the hurricanes are getting more intense. Uh, the, you know, the recording, I think the, the storm that I was in was the, the most, the most uh, hurricane force winds recorded on land in the United States ever. Something, it was, you know, it was something crazy, but is, is that something you've thought about is, from 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 kind of the perspective of, of shark diving and telling the story of shark conservation, certainly you know be, because of the technology, you can kind of let the animals tell the story. They can tell the story because it affects their migration. How far north do they travel? Where are they aggregating? How has it affected their food source? That so that that's a very important thing. The other thing. Sorry about that. The other thing is, uh, the other thing is people, in my opinion, if you look at humanity, a lot of people come on earth and they're happy to spend their lives asleep for whatever reason. And I think that the moves you make in life are determined by how, how, how much you see and, and, and how much you expose yourself to in new ideas, new concepts. Uh, you know, I, I look at my career. I've had a variety of careers. I, I tell people now, well, I don't really, I still don't really know what I want to do. <laughs> I know that it'll be connected to some kind of production, but I, I don't know what I want to do. And, and I think having that kind of curious mind as you move forward is, is critical and I think that, yeah, I, I don't know where where my next direction will go. Maybe it's something more along the lines of climate change or or maybe telling the story of how when people come back from space, they, they have been affected by looking at the Earth. You, you go back in time. Remember, the, the thing a lot of people forget is if you look at the first environmental movement in the United States, it was from Apollo. When when Apollo 8 went, down, went around the moon in 1968, they took the picture of Earthrise over the moon and, and, the, and the astronauts weren't even on the itinerary to take the picture. But they looked back, they looked back at the Earth, they saw it there rising over the moon, and they were like, wow, okay. I had that, I had that poster on my wall growing up. Yes, exactly. Me too. And and if there's there's another very classic Apollo picture called um uh the full earth. 
And it was taking it was taken by Apollo 17, which was the last mission to the moon in 1972. Um, and I mean, think about that. We have not been to the moon in 50 years. What happened? Well, the, the, the problem was, is you had you had uh, the Kennedy kind of initiative uh, and, and, you know, everybody did that in eight years. And we we were on the ground in Mojave, California, with the first X Prize, which was the original kind of Virgin Galactic spaceship, in two thousand four, and and so even that's been almost twenty years, and, and and people are like, oh, where is it? It's it's getting there. It's just very hard. It takes somebody like a Jeff Bezos that has made so much money from Amazon to invest in this stuff. And, 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 you know, you think about wars, you had mentioned wars that we still fight them. I mean, by God, what if we, what if all the money we had put into these wars, we put into sustainable energy, you know, space exploration, ocean exploration, uh, feeding, feeding the, you know, making sure everybody on, on the planet has drinkable water is fed. I, I, I don't really think these, you know, I, 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 kind of learned in my in my life that you either believe in abundance or scarcity. And why not just believe in abundance? There is a big planet. You know, we, we there's so much potential here. Yep. Who I, I this is a question I, lo- I love to ask every guest, I think. <laughs> is but who like do you is is influential in your, you know, or or you know, I don't maybe a mentor, maybe um but just somebody, you know, that influence your life like whether it's a neil armstrong or or you know a producer that you you know like you mentioned james cameron like is that somebody that you know like you have like affiliation with but you know just people that maybe uh you know resonate with you that are influential in your life well you know one one a documentary came out um last year that was really good was a documentary on jacques Cousteau, and you know, the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau was, you know, runaway hit um, and and everybody loved it. But the, the problem with that was as as he got later into his career and he realized the problems that were happening on planet Earth, um, he really became kind of, of you know, he ABC thought that, well, he's too depressing about everything. And they canceled his show because he really started realizing the truth was we're, we're running out of resources and we should do something. And it just people weren't as as inspired by it. So, you know, and, and it's interesting because with with telling the story of sharks, we, we want to keep it inspirational. We want people to be wowed by these animals. But in, unfortunately, we also have years and years, decades now of, you know, bad shark television, bad shark movies. There's another, there's another crazy shark movie coming out. I kind of, I kind of like watching them all because it's, it's, uh, it, to me, it's, it's kind of like Sharknado. Yeah. Sharknado, <laughs> Sand Shark. I, 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 I had a podcast where I went over like every, every single type of, of bad shark movie there was but um no i see john Cousteau is very inspirational james cameron is very inspirational um a lot of the people now that are that are pushing space really hard elon musk um you know jeff bezos you know sir richard branson has has definitely um pushed it you know and and i think it's it's good we have these people out there yeah no i it I've always, like I I think I said to you earlier like for me I mean I'm not not that I'm not interested in the ocean but I've always just been interested in space and I think you know maybe growing up like my dad tells a story of holding me as a baby when when Neil walked on the moon um I actually was lucky enough I I grew up in Ohio I actually met John Glenn um one, you know cuz and 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 um Neil's from Wapakoneta Ohio as well I didn't never got to meet him but I just uh, you know like even looking at uh like telescopes and how just how far back in it's time travel basically i remember i think the first right when they were coming out with the hubble telescope one of the hypotheses was that they were going to be able to see the beginning of time and that literally just blows my mind like i can't even wrap my head around that and in the you know in the last 20 years 
like they just find galaxies. I mean, there's like billions of galaxies and it, you know, growing up, it's like, there's 10 planets. That's it. And now it's just like, it's endless. And it's just, I, in the, in the, in a positive way, I can't wrap my head around these things. And, and to think that the ocean in some weird way is the same. And we live on this planet. That's also just, it's just mind boggling. And to, again, like, that's why I said at the beginning, I'm kind of jealous of what you do because it just, you're in, in a way you're an explorer. And, and like, well, that's, and I've always thought of my, myself as, as kind of, you know, I, I'm a scientist and, and the experiment I'm running is my life. Um, I'm explored just because I'm, I'm trying to explore life and all the different facets. You know, the one thing you, you talk about Hubble, this will be an amazing summer because of the James Webb telescope. Yep. Yep. The, the capacity, it's the size of a tennis court. Yep. And it's going to be floating up there, you know, in, in, in a perfect spot. And what it, what is it about to reveal to us and how, how is that going to blow our mind? I, I <laughs> It, so so yeah, this should be this should really be uh, another kind of summer of space. Uh, we'll, we'll have telemetry from that. I mean, we had ingenuity fly on Mars. I mean, you know, things like that. We we take these things for granted now. You know I what? know exactly. No, that's exactly what I was getting at. Is like, and you you mentioned like we haven't been back to the moon in fifty years. And it, I, I think part of it's like, ah, we've been there, done that. And it's like, we've done nothing. I mean, we, you know, we went there, you know, a handful of times and it's like walked around for a couple minutes and came back up. And it's like, I, I, it's just, it's kind of, it's, it, it's almost like the human, it's like, we've done something where uh, we don't need to do it again or what, or, you know, and it, it's just, it's crazy to me. And I don't think, and this is just a personal opinion, I don't think like stuff that you do space exploration, like Hubble, it just doesn't get enough credit or I feel like we always tell the bad stories, but it's like, my God, it just like seeing a picture from space is just insane. Like it just, it doesn't even feel real. And I wish that we talked more about things that are for lack of a better way to say it, that are cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because, because I think that's what kids, kids want. You, you know, if, if you look at if you look at, at kids coming up today, you, you know, it's like, what what do they want to be? Well, they want to be like a YouTuber or a, a, somebody at TikTok, yeah. and which is fine. And, th and that's that generation. But I think it's, uh, you know, when we first we first talked. I, I was on my way to Yellowstone. I'd never been there before. Drove out there. Yeah, and, and you were just down at um, in uh, Moab, too, weren't you? Well, um, we went to Bryce and Zion. Okay. Yeah, so I I did uh, Yellowstone and then Bryce Zion because you know spending so much time under the water, I I I also like mountains too and cliffs <laughs> and stuff like that. So uh, and seeing some of the wildlife out there and and you know because it's inspirational. But today's kids, you know, you don't want to cut them off from nature because there is a transition point between like the ages of eight and twelve. If 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 a kid is going to stay interested in nature, you, you got to make sure they stay interested at that point because, uh, you know, they'll, 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 they'll start their social group, get interested in stuff like that, and they lose connection with nature. And, and you know, it's so funny because as stressed out as we are today, the first thing most people say is, if you want to de-stress yourself, take a walk in a park, get around <laughs> trees. Yeah. Well, and, and, I'm so glad you said this because Chris, my business partner and I, we bought 20 acres of land in Montana um, last year, about an hour and a half from Yellowstone. And it's with that same idea is like, we want to be able to, <laughs> to bring out people to do it like for an artist athlete residency, take them to the park, then come back and like, then you can paint or draw or take photographs or whatever. Like you said, it's looking, looking at nature distresses us it's not it's not the creative thing just looking at it and I, I personally you know not to go off on a me tangent but i get in my car at least once a year and drive out west because i am so taken aback by the vastness of wyoming and montana and colorado and the mountains that even if i drive the same road a hundred times i'm going to see something different that just blows me away and yeah. I'm, I'm now, 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 you know, because I have a park pass, I go to 
did Yellowstone all the time. Not all the time, but I went there three times last year and I'm like hooked on wolf watching. Like just, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. we, we did show that we were out there, you know, and, and, and it is, it's, it's, it's something so interesting that um, it, it is so, it's just so simple. You know, it's just so simple to observe an animal. Like when I take my dog, my dog is named Mako. He's, he's named after a Mako shark that actually came back at me uh, because he was mad that we tagged him. And I, I followed the shark with a camera. And, and so he came back at me and I have a great shot of me pushing him off as his teeth are wrapped around the camera. But um, and so I named my, my dog Mako. And, and uh, so when I'm walking Mako, if I really want to just de-stress myself, I just I just watch him. I, I, I most time I'm unfortunately most time I'm on the phone <laughs> forking on something, <laughs> but but when I can, I, I just I, I just watch him and I watch how he's walking and watch how he's he's observing everything, you know, and just those simple moments in nature give, give us our peace or kind of that instant meditation that that kind of connects us with with that which which as you say which makes us more creative. And, and if, and, and cause, cause I know when I get back from uh, Tiger beach in the Bahamas after an expedition there, um, I come back and I'm just so inspired. I, I've seen the blue of the Caribbean and that's the other thing, the, the, the Bahamas. Uh, and I've loved the Bahamas since I, since I was a kid. Um, I, cause I was, I was born in Miami and I remember being three years old and going to Key Biscayne and, and kind of swirling the water this crystal clear water and having all these tropical fish, it stayed with me all my life. Um, but when I see that blue water of the Bahamas, all stress is, is, is gone. And, and you know, the one thing that, that, that I always come back to in, from the creative standpoint, it, it, and I was, I would, I'm working on a project where we have a very complicated production and, and we're trying to just kind of get all the wheels spinning correctly. The one thing I, I've said when we do this production, we're starting to make this creative. Remember why we're doing it. Take a moment and remember why you're you're you're, you're getting in this space because that's the other thing. Sometimes I think from from a creative. I mean, I'm looking at a wall full of equipment here and what it takes to what what I use to produce. But um, I. I sometimes step back from all the equipment, all the challenges with that, and just say, remember why I'm doing this. And then it helps me find the solution to move through and create the next bit of content that I've got to make. Yeah. Now I, again, I just think it's, I'm going to have to come down and just do, go on a shoot with you. <laughs> that's, that's the end all be all. That's just going to have to happen. But I, you know, like what is, what is, you just said you're working on a project right now and I'm, I'm assuming like you have like a backlog of, of projects that are ready to go. Like, so like, what's, what's like a 10 year plan for you or sort? I mean, is it, is it like booked out? I mean, is it, well, but my main, my main thing now, one of the things I, I did, I've done it before I did it at the university of Missouri. I, I taught there for a year one of the things I, I want to do, because, uh, you know, I, I again, I've been diving with sharks for 15 years. And now what I would like to do um, is is help enable other people to help tell their stories. Uh, and and because because I, I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to do that, just this crazy career I've had. And now I, I want to give back. So one of the things I'm really focused on right now is I'm, I'm working with with different people in helping them tell their stories. Oh, one project is, is uh, you know, completely different than space and sharks. It's on finances and how to help people navigate finances, how to help them save and prepare for the future. Another friend is, is trying to bring something to uh, off-Broadway. So I want to help him tell that story of like what it takes, what's that journey, what's that path. Um, and then, you know, I, I enjoy just talking to people I've, I've worked with in, in past years about what they're doing, what what they want to do next. But that's that's really for the future for me now is because I'm, I'm in this position where I can kind of coach and consult because uh, because I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm in a place where I've, I've kind of been around a little bit. And, and now I want to just how can I help people 
produce, other people produce. And, and then just kind of continue my own productions. Uh, I, I definitely, you know, sharks are a, uh, a top of mind for me. The pandemic totally sidelined everything. At, at one point, while I was spending two weeks out of the month on the road, uh, usually underwater, on a boat somewhere. And so I, I look forward to getting to that. My other, my other goal is getting closer to space. Now that space is about to have a big breakthrough, I want to make sure that, I, that I've aligned myself with the path that will get me on a rocket to look back at the Earth. I mean, that's it, when all is said and done, as long as I can get to space one time now and look, then I'm going to be happy. I'm gonna stay okay. There's nothing else. No. Those are great goals. Those are, I, I, it is like, those are just great goals. I, I definitely, like you said, I, it's something that I think I would love to do, but it's not going to be in the immediate future unless some billionaire decides that I'm the one that needs to go to space, which I hope some billionaires out there listening, I need to go to space, by the way. So uh, no, it it's I, like I said, for me, you know, I think as a kid, I like space was always just I, I was never wanting to be an um, um, a firefighter and you know like the kid dreams or something, but for me I think it was like being an astronaut and and I just think because it was the unknown which it still is but it's becoming less unknown and and so I'm just always like you know I even stream like NASA's feed every once in a while just because it, it's it's hypnotic and you know just the, the things that. I get fascinated by astronomy. Like, you know, last year when Jupiter and Saturn were like the clearest that they've been in like 500 years or whatever. Like I took my camera out and with a zoom and just took pictures of it. Like just even like full moons, like drive me crazy in the coolest way. Like I, I, and so like, I'm always, I feel like I'm always looking up, um, because of that. And, so I think what you do, like you bring these things to me, like with the ocean and with space, like closer to me, which I think is like, that's a gift. And and it's like really cool to be able to do that. And I think what you said you're doing now where, I mean, are you like being like an executive producer and like, do you have your own film company? Did I miss that? Yeah, I've, I've, do- I've had my own company for, I guess now my brother actually started the company and then I inherited it from him. He okay. he's he's a pilot. He he flies for uh, for NetJet, so he's he's on the road. But um, so I've I, and now I guess it's about twenty years I, okay. I've been doing this um, since I my last like real corporate job was we well I found a newsy.com this isn't the this isn't the status production is that what it is okay I just misunderstood that that's what okay that is me I am I (laughs) single-handedly status production and you know and I think it's going to be that I I I was going to rename it space shark media I thought that was a little more fitting (laughs) but um um no, it's and it's and it, and we've we've kept it running all this time. And we, my brother and I, you know, when, when we first started it, all this was a result. My brother's wife said to him, she she said, "Hey, you know, um, you you and George need to make films about the ocean and teach kids how to help conserve the sea." And that was back in two thousand one. And so, and I was still at AOL, AOL Time Warner. And so what I do is, is, and I was in Washington, D.C., I would hop on a flight every other weekend to fly down here, go to the Keys or, or somewhere where we could film underwater, and we were filming this series of, of videos to teach kids about the ocean. That's how all this started. Because I, like you were saying about corporate America, yeah, I was, look, I, it doesn't get much more corporate than the early days of the internet at AOL, um, and I was behind a desk. At one point, I was just running contracts. I was I was executing contracts for AOL. And um, yeah, and then he, he told me, he, he called me one day and he goes, you know, Apple has this new uh, software called Final Cut Pro. And you can, <laughs> you can do a dissolve and you can do things on a laptop. And I was like, no, you can't. That costs at least $70,000. And you need all this hardware and you need, no, he says, no, you really can do this. And so he showed it to me. And I remember, um, I remember laughing as like, oh my God, this changes everything. 
everything. Yeah. And and because because back then, because in the so now I'm gonna really date myself in the in the 90s, I taught avid editing, so nonlinear editing, but but back back in those days, it was a a um a full con $70,0 console. And and I don't know even what that would be in, in 90s dollars to now with, with inflation and everything else, but um it, it just revolutionized everything. And that and now and I was telling somebody the other day, you know, we were looking at, at a switcher and I was telling um, there's there's actually software now for the iPhone that you you have a you basically have master control in your in your iPhone where you can switch a show. You can Bluetooth other iPhones to your phone and you can switch from their shots to your shot. And it's just like it, it's amazing. And, and you know, uh we have at this one project I'm working on, we have, we have a switcher that is, is the size of a box and, it, and it's, it's from 2016, but in technology, uh, you know, a six year, only six year old switcher is now a, a dinosaur, yep. you know, and it, it, it needs to go. And, and yet, you know, it's, I feel, always feel sorry for all the people who invested in the uh, Panasonic, had a 3D right. camera, right? Yep. That they were selling for twenty two thousand dollars, and 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 just because everybody's supposed to get their glasses, and 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 3D was going to be the way of the future, and and I and I know that some you know production companies went out and they bought this twenty two thousand camera that you can probably not give away today. Yep. And so yeah, it's that's the other thing about being creative is just using the technology to your advantage, but not being victimized by the technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always say that to students. It's like there's programs. You need to go beyond the program because that's that person's creative outlet. Now you need to take their thing and make it your own. And yep. which is a hard thing to do, but it's like, you can't just use filters and blah, 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 and expect that to be, what's cool because everybody else does that. And it's like, right. So what? And, but now, man, I, you know, I I'm sitting here like brainstorming and like thinking when we finally get Montana all built out, I think it would be awesome for you to come out and do like a workshop on, 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 you know, documentary films and, and, and just, uh, you know, like anything, <laughs> I just think talking to you, like I think would be inspiring to people out there. And so like, I, I'm, just really love that Alex put us together uh, because this has just been a blast because again, for me, again, more on the space side, I just, I, I, that's something that'll never go away for me. Um, that love of, of uh, space. But I, and, and I hope people go back and, and listen at that podcast with Alex too, because you know, yeah. you talk about somebody who is an inspiration um, and you know, that has really taken creativity in, in the way she does in her artwork, the way she uses it in, in what she's doing now. I mean, that is a fascinating, her story is fascinating. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, I no, she's, she's on our creative board. Like that's, we've, you know, like she just, you know, moved to a different job, but she, we, we do stuff with the Florida Panthers, lucky enough to do that. And we will, we might be doing something in the next couple months. If not, we'll be doing something um, during Art Basel. And so like when we come down, I, you know, love to have you involved in, in what we're doing and just to meet you in person. But, but I just, it's, it, this has just been like, again, like this has been so cool for me because of my, my love of what you're doing. And like I said, I'll just say that I'm jealous again, because I think, uh, like you said, you're living your best life and, but you're, you work your ass off to do it. And, and, but just like you said, find something you love and go for it. And, and I think that that's such a great motto and, um, just excited to like, as I said, for me, just excited to stay in touch with you because, um, like, I just look forward to like seeing what's next. And, yep. and and looking forward to seeing what the telescope this summer has in store. Yeah, that's gonna be great stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, well, thanks, man. Like I said, I, this will be out in a couple weeks. Um, I always, by the way, I always put music to it. Um, any kind of style music that you like, I usually just write well, stuff. I, I love music. I love all music because as a producer, you gotta love yep. music. Yep. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um. All right. Well, man, I appreciate this because this was this was an absolute blast. So, um. 
I'll I'll stay in touch. I'll like I'll send you some promo stuff when we're about ready to release it. And like and beyond that, I just look forward to staying in, in communication with you. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me. I yeah, definitely too. appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great day, man. All right, you too. Cool. Bye. That was such an amazing conversation. Like I said, I am really jealous of what George does. Such a hard worker, such fascinating life that he leads. Uh, truly doing some amazing and very important work uh, in regards to conservation and climate change. Very much looking forward to all of his new documentaries and, and really anything that he does. Again, make sure to follow George on Instagram at Space Shark Earth and check out his website, statusproductions.com. A reminder to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events and news. Thank you. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there. Stay well out there.